Hello and welcome to Actuarial People with myself, James Turner. I'm excited to be launching a brand new podcast where each week I'll be speaking with the UK actuary. My aim is to give you, the listener, greater insight into the people behind the profession and their personal career journeys. So we'll cover things like why and how they became an actuary, what they do on a day-to-day basis, how they balance work and study with life, any specialisms they've developed, and how their role has evolved over time. So whether you're an actuary yourself, or you're aspiring to become one in the future, welcome and enjoy. Welcome to Actuarial People, Victoria Snowden. Thank you for having me, James. Thank you for, for coming along. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. Yeah, it's a bright and overcast Sunday, Monday morning, so um, yeah, feeling good about the week ahead. Yeah, good. Nice early start for, well, I say early, it's not that early, but it feels, <laughs> <laughs> feels it after a, after a weekend. Well, um, I wondered if we could just start off by giving the listeners a, a quick overview of who you are and what you do today, and then we'll go back to the beginning and work from there. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I'm Victoria. I am um, what you'd probably call a careerer. Um, I've been at LCP for just over 15 years now, and I started as a graduate back in 2008. And, you know, I joined LCP um, as a, as, like I say, as a graduate, not really sure completely what a pensions actuary was at that point, it's got to be said. But um, I qualified, took about five years to qualify, and then um, I became a partner of LCP in 2017. So I've been a partner for about seven, seven years now. Um, so whilst I have been at LCP all that time, my role has changed quite a lot um, over that period. Fantastic. Well, um, let's start where we always do. Could you please cast your mind back and, and let us know when you first discovered that the actual profession existed? Yeah, sure. I was thinking about this and trying to credit somebody for giving me the idea or something like that. And I think the the, the biggest portion of credit has to go to my cousin, who was an actuary. Um, so uh, whilst, you know, we didn't cross paths very often, um, I'd heard the word, you know, uh, he was a few years ahead of me, so I heard that he'd, he'd started as an actuary. Um, and he was the one who actually suggested um, I try it out because I was doing maths at university and looking for something to do in my second summer. Uh, and he suggested getting an, an internship. So I, I did that. I applied to LCP for an internship. And um, <laughs> the rest is history, as they say. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I think it's one of those ones where a lot of people have heard about it. I think more people have heard about it now, perhaps, than when I was sort of at school, for example. I didn't really hear about being an actuary at at school very much. So it was really only at university that I think I started to become aware of of what that job was and and what it might be. Yeah. You said um, in the introduction that you didn't really fully know what it was. How how long did it take you? Was it after you started your your job permanently? Um, When did you get to grips with what you were actually doing? It's a great question. I think doing an internship was by far and away the best way to get an idea, a bit of an idea. I still didn't fully have an idea what I was getting myself into, I don't think. But an internship really does allow you to see, you know, how people are actually practically being an actuary and doing the work. And you you do soak up a lot of information, I think, in that sort of six week, eight week period that you do an internship. So it's always something I think that prepares you very well for the world of work because you've had that experience of just even been in an office and how people are interacting and sort of different hierarchies that might be there and, and how how people work together. So I think that side of the job, the consulting and the office side of the job was almost as, as um, you know, as new to me as, as being an actuary. So I think getting that experience of both before I jumped in fully to being an actuary was, was really useful. 
Um, but then even after starting as a graduate, I think, you know, you do the training, you do the exams and you still kind of it's all theoretical. And you, I think it was from well, it wasn't probably until I was a few years into the role that a few light bulb moments started to happen. And I was sort of working out, oh, yeah, that's what that means. That's why we're advising on this. This is why it's important. And, you know, it kind of it's just been a series of light bulb moments ever since, I guess. I get less now. I hope I'd got most of them now. But I think you still sometimes get one where you just think, actually, that is super important to this client. And um, and, you know, it's it's, a, it's constantly learning. I think being an actuary that's probably how I define it in a way. Yeah. Are there any particular this might be a difficult question but are there any particular light mold moments that happen for quite a few people at an early stage? Oh good question I I think everyone probably has slightly different ones I guess a couple examples from my perspective I um you do a lot of number crunching I guess when you're you're a junior um joining joining any actuarial firm I'd expect and you're kind of delegated what to do and you're sort of kind of looking at potential previous jobs to sort of replicate what they were doing and it's all kind of a bit um I say turn the handle but it's sort of it's almost you're not quite understanding what you're doing but you know what you're doing and then there'll be a moment where you're looking at a set of numbers and for me it was an accounting set of accounting numbers so preparing pensions disclosures for a company accounts where I suddenly realized I connected the dots between just what's going into the accounts and then what's coming like what what the what's going on the balance sheet and the 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 profit and loss account and it was all theoretical stuff I'd done at university in the exams I'd done it in the earlier exams um what was I guess CT two I think it was back in the day um I'd sort of understand all the concepts but I it was when I realized I was actually doing it in practice and I was like oh this makes sense now I kind of get Mm. this point and um you know I don't even know what triggered it but it was just you know maybe two years in I just sort of thought oh I get it I get this accounting bit now and then it just it kind of uh, I guess I've, I still do accounting now because I don't I don't like to I don't like to give it up I like to do a bit of everything but I I um I still enjoy doing pensions accounting because I feel like I've sort of got that connection to that it's one of the first bits of actuarial work where I was like yes I get what this means and I guess why I'm do- I get why I'm doing it as well so yeah, that yeah. was one for me I guess why did you come to work in pensions was that just as a result of your internship again or was it a conscious choice yeah it's it's really it was my so my internship was in pensions and I just enjoyed I mean more more than and I'm sure you hear this quite a lot James but you know the people you work with often influence then you know how much you enjoy the work so I worked with some amazing people when I did my internship and they really sort of took me under their wing and taught me things and I just that's what I wanted more of so I think it was pensions was almost the 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 setting for it but it could have easily been investment insurance I suppose um but you know, I like I like pensions. I, I like the idea of, um, you know, you're doing something that, you know, is helping members pensioners get their pensions paid. And so there was that direct link in my mind for something that's helping people. And I think that's what probably kept me in pensions rather than, say, moving into investment where, any you know, the same principle applies, but perhaps it's another stage removed from um, that, that sort of contact with members. Yeah, yeah. And and just, just quickly on exams, what was your experience there? How, how did you find them? It was, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely not someone who sailed through the exams. I think I, I started with a clean sheet because I was very, um, <laughs> I, I didn't make the right choices at university and I tend to steer away from subjects that would have given me an exemption, uh, not on purpose, but on accident. And so I, you know, started with immediate regret risk that I hadn't done X, Y and Z modules at university that would have given me some exemptions to start me off. Um, so started from scratch, but in a way that, you know, that helped me a little bit because you get those earlier ones to, to really get to grips with um, stuff that you're already a little bit familiar with, you know, the statistics and things, but you are getting used to working and studying at the same time. 
um, you know, is a challenge for everybody, I would expect. And I think I particularly found it a challenge just making sure that I've worked full day and then done a bit of study in the evening and things. So, um, yeah, so I had a lot of we had a lot of support um, as a lot of people in my year group as well that was, you know, studying at the same time as me. So we kind of formed little groups going to the library locally in Winchester <laughs> to study on a weekend or something like that. So we had a bit of a um, you know a bit of a support group around us and yeah got so kind of it was almost like a you know try to knock down one a sitting I had a couple of sittings where especially in the later exams where I maybe didn't get one and it's a bit it's always hard that but you know you pick yourself up you try again you know and you um just stay optimistic I think was probably the way I, I tackled them uh and yeah and got got the final one uh in 2013 I think it was yeah. um just just after all my peers i think they a lot of them qualified the the sitting before so six months before and i'd missed out so that was a real setback for me i was like oh i haven't qualified at the same time as all my friends um but then i i think that gave me a bit of an impetus just then to really make sure i got it six months later and i ended yeah. up qualifying by myself so i got all the glory in the office that that, that year <laughs> <laughs> i'm interested in your your take on exemptions then so if you if you had your time at uni again would you have made different choices do you, do you think if someone's at uni now they should consider trying to get exemptions or or not necessarily good question i don't i don't think it's the i think it's great that when people do get exemptions and obviously they've chosen to do something like the actuarial degree if they know they want to be an actuary it obviously helps you get like a little bit further up the the um, qualification ladder before you start work i don't think it's something people should overthink you know if they've got topics university that they want to do and they want to they they're interested in just because it doesn't lead to an actuarial exemption doesn't mean it's not worthwhile doing. I think I ended up, you know, maybe majoring more in a few business modules and physics modules randomly. I think I had that opportunity where I was at Warwick. So um, I didn't go down the statistics route, but I went around more the practical maths and finance route. And actually, you know, that's been as helpful to me as getting the exemptions in a way, because, you know, I maybe had a bit more familiarity with some of the accounts, company account side before I came came into work as well. So, um, yeah, I don't think there's one right way of doing it. I think, you know, it's uh, it's it, everyone's got a slightly different route. And I think that's the hardest thing people I see people doing um, in the team sometimes is, you know, comparing themselves to the peers. You know, you all join the work at the same time, but you're all coming at it from a very different background and potentially with a different set of exemptions or, or experience in the exams. Um, so, you know, no one can really compare themselves directly to another. Um, everyone's going to have a slightly different route through the exams. And the important thing is, as I say, you know, you, you stay stay at it optimistic and and you know as long as you're trying your hardest you can't really go wrong I don't think yeah okay so um in terms of your your career path how how sort of far along did you start thinking about what you want your role to look like in the future the different aspects to it whether or not you specialize in in one thing or another um sounds as though the exams were a big focus early on but what were your sort of aims outside of that hi guys we'll get straight back to the conversation in a second just a quick reminder that when I'm not recording podcasts, I specialise in helping pensions actuaries with their career moves, and I'd love to help you when the time comes to explore your options. I work with people at all levels, whether you have a couple of years' experience through to senior positions. My approach is different to most recruiters. I started my own business last year and work alone, which means I have zero pressure to hit targets and can just focus on giving the best possible help and advice. So whether you're thinking of making a move now, or would just like to understand your options for the future, please get in touch via LinkedIn or email james at turnerperkins.com. Back to the show. Yeah, I think the, um, so, so I agree, exams, you know, just were the priority in, in the first 
first few years and you know I was saying yes to stuff and get trying to get as much experience as possible but I guess I wasn't really consciously doing it I was more just you know give delegate me work I will do it I will get experience I'll try and soak up as much as possible um on the clients I've been allocated and then get the exams into my belt was was really my key focus I think once I qualified it, it did change a little bit how you think about it because you think oh I've actually got this extra time now because in a way you're often getting back a day a week and you think oh I'm gonna have all this time to do all this extra work and it <laughs> never quite works like that but um but I think yeah I, I was quite conscious that I didn't want to you know limit my options too early on so I was always looking for opportunities to do more trustee side work more corporate side work and then any other things as well so you know I, I've always been um really interested in sort of the mentoring side appraising side and so I tried to and team leaders and I've been a team leader and I was the head of the actuarial department in Winchester for just over five years and having given that up just before Christmas um, I'm now in a sort of similar position to I was when I was a consultant where I've got all this spare time I'm not sure what to do with it yet but mm-hmm. um, the uh, you know it's so I, I've always tried to keep that variety I guess and that's probably been my more that's it my only really strategic thought was I don't want to limit my options and so I guess I have always just been saying yes to things and throwing something different into the mix throughout um one one thing I've really appreciated is that because I've been you know 15 years at LCP I have clients today that I was working on when I joined as a graduate so you know I joined doing you know effectively doing a lot of the work and now you know on some of them I'm scheme actuary now or I'm um, signing out the accounting work and to have gone on that journey sort of through the through the piece of work um working at every level but kind of getting to know the client and understanding you know, some of the some of the 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 pension schemes i know better than the client because the client's potentially contact's only been there a couple of years and i've been doing it for 15 so it's it's lovely to have those relationships and to feel like that trusted advisor and i guess that's more where i've been nudging myself in in more recent years is is trying to get into those trusted advisor roles and, and really get to know my clients and make sure i've got those relationships to to build on um uh, you know is is yeah that's what I really enjoy I guess yeah the people management side is is interesting because um I'm not sure how easy or difficult it is to to sort of go into that side of things um at what stage did you start thinking I'd quite like to be a people manager and and what was the path to getting there yeah it's a, it's a great question it's not a role that's for everyone I don't think it's it's something that if you'd asked me when I joined I mean to be honest if you'd asked me when I joined as a graduate, what my role was going to look like in 10, 15 years time, I would have probably just said, I'm a number cruncher. I'm a mathematician. I like doing the technical stuff. I never would have thought I'd be, you know, the consultant in the sort of more truer sense and the kind of people manager that I've I've become. Um, So I think a lot of it, you just grow into a little bit. And, and, And part of that is just when you're in those situations as a a team member and an appraisee or a, a kind of being mentored in a way, you know, making the most of those situations, I think then automatically starts to get you into that more, the, the opposite side of the, the table, as it were, you become more like a mentor, you become more like a appraiser or a team leader, because you're actively using those relationships, understanding them and making the most of them. So I think that's probably what my route was in some ways is that I've always, you know, wanted to get feedback and, and, and wanted to kind of get to know people. And I think it's sort of been flipped at some point. Um, not too long after I qualified, I guess, um, and became a consultant and perhaps became a bit more senior in the team that it, it meant that, you know, I was doing, I felt like I was doing more of that than receiving it in a way, although I already, you know, I always am looking for uh, <laughs> for mentors everywhere I go. Um, the, 
the where where it actually changed for me it wasn't me actively doing anything and I think this is a, a bit of a habit of my my career path is I sort of don't realize my abilities before somebody else does so actually what it was is that some of the the team leader the sort of head head of the team in Winchester sort of tap tap me on the shoulder and said Vic we've got a team leader role opening up we think you'd be good for it um and I hadn't even ever considered myself in that role really even though I'd been kind of actively hopefully doing some of those behaviors I hadn't really thought oh I should put myself forward for it and I think that's always a bit of a habit of mine is that I, I tend to um think oh someone else would be much better at it before before putting myself forward for it but luckily I work with a lot of very good people who do um you know do encourage me and ask you know suggest that I push myself outside my comfort zone once in a while which you know still happens today um so that so I got sort of asked to be a team leader was very very happy to take that role on and actually it was a couple of years doing that and then um the the person who was acting as the, the head of the team in, in the Winchester actuarial department had to, to step away from the role for another responsibility um and it just became a natural kind of that that was something I felt I could see myself doing at that point because I had actually just been learning from her and, and sort of um being mentored by her a little bit um so it was it was a bit easier to put myself forward for it then um and, and I've just I've really relished that role over the last five years it's um it's been you know a true joy to be able to to sort of work with the whole team and also get to know them all that gets their strengths and things they need to work on and kind of help as much as possible through all the other team leaders I've been managing so yeah. um yeah I've really enjoyed that obviously nothing technical about it at all in a way it's sort of completely opposite to being an actuary but um and, and doing the client facing side but but you know something that I never knew I would be good at but I have you know really really enjoyed doing and what's it like if someone is if someone thinks oh I'd like to be a team leader one day but they don't really know what it involves they've you know they've got leaders themselves so they've they've been one person on the end of it but what's it like it's um it's a responsibility I would say so you know you you feel um a little bit of a, a weight I think in terms of you know knowing that you're the, the first port of call potentially for for you know sort of teams we keep the teams fairly manageable in size you know sort of 10 10 11 people perhaps sort of of all kind of ranges of experience but you do feel you do feel that responsibility of of wanting to make sure you you know um you you know the individuals you know what they're kind of what motivates them what they're seeking to get out of their careers and that varies obviously for everybody you know for some people a job is a job for some people a job is something they really want to grow in and they want to you know to, to find different outlets for for things um and it, so 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 to say it's a responsibility but it is very rewarding i think especially when you can help somebody or you can encourage somebody to kind of you know and it, i think a lot of what we find i find certainly with if, if sort of the junior actors joining the film you do need to be able to encourage people to push themselves out of the comfort zone to say yes to stuff that they wouldn't necessarily have done um because i think otherwise you you do people do tend to stay quite firmly in their comfort zones with what they know and i think part of growing into a consultant is being able to put yourself in those situations where yes you don't know what the answer is yet maybe or you don't know the full background to everything but you're able to manage the situation and um and sort of be a be a professional in that role and, and i think that's that growth journey is so quick when you start as a graduate when you get to qualification and beyond that I think good team leaders will help people along that journey and, and nudge them in the right direction at the right point and what do you what do you get from it well as I say it, I find it the rewarding the reward is in the kind of you know you getting to know people and and they kind of you know mentioning that if they've helped if you've helped them or you've you know you've 
help them see things in a different light I guess because I think most people know what they're capable of truly but you almost need someone to ask you or to challenge you to to actually realize it uh, in practice especially in the work environment where you know everybody who is an actuary is usually quite a high performing and very clever person I think every, anyone who gets to the point of graduate level has already proved that so um, it can be quite intimidating I think you know you kind of especially as you get more senior sort of seeing a lot of people at pit, you get your peer level gets a bit wider and you realize that actually there's a lot of people doing this job in an excellent way but everybody brings you know something different to the role and their own individuality and I think that's really important that you know part of what my journey's been is almost realizing that I don't as a sort of I don't know if you can still hear it, but I was a northerner <laughs> a little bit. Um, you know, knowing knowing my, my background and where I've come from, I, you know, needed a lot of time, I think, to realise that I can be myself in these roles. You know, if I'm being a scheme actuary to a one billion pound client, I can just turn up and still, you know, I don't have to put on my sort of <laughs> my phone voice or anything like that. You know, I yeah. can be myself, have my personality showing. You know, I like to make a joke, I like to, you know, in the right environment, obviously. But, um, you know, having those sorts of bits of your personality come out when you're in those senior roles, I think it's often quite hard to start doing that. But once you start, you realise the the sort of feedback you get from people realising you're being open with them, honest with them um, and you're being yourself. I think it kind of reaps the rewards of giving you the confidence to continue doing that. So I think that that sort of part of becoming a consultant and, and after you've qualified is almost finding your voice a little bit in terms of those environments and knowing how to be yourself but in those situations where you've historically probably been a junior person just sitting in and not having a voice you've been listening in and you've been trying to learn and soak up actually then sort of blooming into a um I'm an advisor I know what I'm talking about is 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 quite a step I think for most yeah. and, I, and that's I think that's what I enjoy most is really is helping people kind of get into that space and, and figure out what, what works best for them. Yeah. What about the other side? What about the challenges of, of being a, a people leader? What are the things that come to mind? There are, of course, challenges. Yeah, yeah it's, um, it, you know, ev not everybody has a rosy time from start to finish of the work day or the work week or the work year. And so everyone's going to have challenges that come up in either at work or, or in their personal lives that affect you know how 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 they're seeing work and how they're prioritizing it or they're able to prioritize it so i think the real challenge is is being there for them when you've got a job yourself you know and you've, you've still got demands on your time you know clients and things like that so making sure that you're uh, you know you're showing them support you're being there but you're not kind of stepping over the line you know people have got their own lives and that's that's absolutely fine um but i think part of that is if you spent the time building the relationships with the people before the the because everyone's going to have it right everyone's going to have a down like i mean you'd be very lucky if you live your life and never have a a bad day yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so i think it's 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 making sure you know you know the team the people you're responsible for so you can see when they're having a bad day and you can offer them support or even just a cup of coffee on the day that they just look like they're they're down um and you know that can be hard because I think often we you know we're very busy people and you can just get your head down and maybe not notice those differences in behavior or that someone's not quite showing up in the same way and they need a bit of support um but you know it's something that you can never get right 100% of the time but I think as long as you're always trying and doing it with the best will in the world in terms of showing support to your team it's you feel like sometimes you can fail but actually if you're trying your best that's all you can really do so I think that's again it's another learning point I guess I've taken away from being in those sort of people management roles is that 
you know you need to you need to be really kind of prioritizing making sure you do prioritize things when you need to um relating to sort of when, when emergencies come up and the like and yeah. um, but also on the day-to-day just making sure you are kind of aware of what's going on around you and, and checking in with the team it's yeah. it's it's been a real challenge i think moving you know through lockdown and um so i managed the team through lockdown and coming back into the office as well but what i've been really impressed by is just everybody's just really um you know it's not just they're not just looking for support from the team leaders they're also you know checking in on each other as well and so you know i feel like one can you say positive but i guess one silver lining of lockdown is that everyone just has become a little bit more aware of each other's lives and things that are going on and actually you know and just even just seeing people's backgrounds can often tell people tell you a bit about where they are and what that means and um and so people just recognizing that oh you're not in your usual place is everything okay and you know it's sort of it it helps i think that people have been a bit more open with each other and uh that's not a bad thing i don't think on the whole Mm -hmm. and how, how did you find the time management maybe not time management the time allocation sort of how much of your time you're spending with people versus still having to do a bit of the the day job as well was that was that tough yeah I think it it, it was pretty tough at times you know especially um we were doing a lot more check-ins on people say during lockdown and so actually that took up a lot of time in the working day you know and so trying to then deliver client stuff outside of that was quite um challenging but I think what you know, I, I, it wasn't like I was doing a full-time client role um, and then doing this on top. So I had adjusted. So I had, you know, a core set of clients on the trustee side, a core set of clients on the corporate side, um, and then that sort of staffing role. So it was almost like a third, third, third split. But that would vary. So, you know, if, if there were, you know, recruitment things going on like the graduate intake onboarding um you know it would flex a little bit and can that, that can be challenging but i think you know you, if you're always aware that this is this is temporary because of a project or something going on i think it's always it's just part of the role part of the job really um and and because of the variety that i had it was it i've, I've really enjoyed it because it's just been you know very different putting on very different hats for each role effectively so um it's it's, i feel like it's given me a more rounded experience as a a consultant just been able to kind of look at it from different people's different perspectives yeah and i think you said you've just moved away from that role now have you reduced it or have you stopped the people management bit yeah i I feel like you know it should be like the presidential uh, kansas city thing you know no one should ever do too longer term so um no i had some amazing people in the team who were kind of you know been working with for a few years as team leaders and it was ready for ready for them to sort of step into um step into my role so I was sort of I'm very I'm sort of now taking a bit more of a background role supporting and then kind of offering um guidance and advice I guess when when these sorts of things come up but um what it's meant is you know I've (laughs) freed up some of my time on a whole so I think this year is more about figuring out what's the next thing on my list to do and (laughs) what else what else do I want to take to get involved and from more perhaps from a more client facing side Oh, fine. So you don't you don't know you you haven't got a plan yet. You just sort of want to open yourself up to no taking it a day at a time. I'm not. I, I wouldn't say I'm 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 scrabbling around for work. So it's <laughs> um it's quite a nice thing really to know that I'm you know I've got plenty of projects on at the moment, and then I'll be able to say yes yes to things. And I guess that's something that I've not I've had to be quite hard with myself over the last few years not to say yes to too much because um I really would have spread myself a bit too thin. But actually, it's quite nice to know that I'm going to be able to say yes to some interesting stuff if it comes up. Um, over yeah. the course of this year so yeah, yeah excited about that and um, you mentioned you've been a partner was it 2017 
No, that's right. Yeah, 27. I'm, I'm interested in giving people a feel for what that's like and what it takes to, to become a partner at somewhere like, like LCP. I believe that you only have something like five or maybe six job titles from when you start as a graduate to being a partner so it's really sort of crystal clear in terms of how you can get there um i wonder if maybe we could take those job titles and just give a a quick feel for what does it take to be promoted to each one and and through that sort of how the role evolves if that makes sense yeah yeah sure that's 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 no problem at all so um so lcp we you know when you join as a graduate in the actuarial department you you typically start as an analyst so that's um very much the doer role i've described it as in terms of your learning you're you're getting things you're you're kind of um, being delegated to primarily but you're also um hopefully getting a wide range of experience across a load of different different roles um once you've had a couple of years experience and you're sort of starting to get into the the realms of checking which is sort of you know everything for us at lcp goes through the do check review as most consultants i expect would would do so we kind of t- t- uh, allocate things as just as much as job role by who's doing the doing who's doing the checking who's doing the reviewing um but once you started to move into those more checking role demonstrated your knowledge ability to check um and and gotten a bit through the exams typically um you'd be promoted to associate consultant which is then the sort of next level up and that again it's almost then it kind of goes from there so that's more primarily checking roles but you're starting to potentially look at getting on to you know more getting on to meetings more perhaps starting to speak up a little bit at meetings present some simple things and um and then starting to understand what it means to review work so you kind of get familiar with what it means to check a piece of work and it's like well what happens next you know what what's going on um and so then that and then that when when you get to demonstrate more of those sort of abilities to review understand the wider context you know um delivering work coordinating internally um how the work goes out and and who gets involved with it um that would be typically when you start to move into the consultant area Mm -hmm. um so that's the sort of third level up um and that's you know typically where people get promoted once they've qualified you know once you're qualified you've kind of shown that you've been able to to do all the exams and um then we typically peg you as a reviewer as a consultant um so then beyond that it's really um demonstrating i guess that sort of really ability to deliver a piece of work sort of start to finish you know manage the team manage the the kind of the reviewing side from the partner perspective um and and have and build up that experience and that knowledge i think you then start to there's a a slightly more blurred line i guess between consultant and senior consultant but i guess i see a senior consultant as being someone who is a trusted advisor within the within lcp internally and someone who can um understand what it means to do the work what professional standards are what the technical kind of um side to what needs to be done is it is um and then then from senior consultant we've got um the level of principal um before before partner but principal really is that kind of to demonstrate the level of you understand what it means to be a partner or what the strategy of lcp is and you're involved in more of those conversations you're thinking you're sort of demonstrating that you're um you know you're not just getting turning up and doing your job you're thinking about how can what am i doing can help everybody else at LCP or how can I you know um, get someone else involved from LCP or, or, or talk to me so it's, it's very much like a you're starting to be more of a not just in your particular role but you're thinking more widely outside of um, outside of your sort of fairly fairly narrow remit but did that happen naturally for you or was that how do you sort of change that mindset yeah I think it, it's sort of I had the benefit of in the Winchester office uh, where I'm based 
Um, when I joined LCP, there was probably only about 60 people working in that office and, and it was sort of split across actuarial admin investment primarily. And so you did get to know very easily the people in the different departments. And um, I mean, now we're probably a team of about 300 in Winchester. Okay. Um, so so really, really grown. And I, but I think with the benefit, because I've grown, I've, I've been there the whole time, I feel like I have still known some of the key people in all the departments. And it's something that I think, you know, it's not just about knowing the knowing who you know I think it's it's important it's not just that but it is about how you approach things like networking and building your own internal and external networks and you know how that then benefits you know you winning you work or you you kind of offering you know helping other LCP people win work so it's sort of that that networking side is so important as a partner um, and as a senior person in the business that you know you're kind of thinking about well how you know how do I become as uh, you know relevant as possible to as many clients and, and contacts as possible so um yeah I think it was something that happened mainly because I just like talking to people and I <laughs> like you know going along to events and things like it, it probably happened without me purposely doing it but I think you can be quite strategic about it if you wanted to be and sort of make sure you are thinking okay well you know um I, I don't know many lawyers, so I should go along to some 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 events where I might meet some lawyers. And it sort of you can build up your network quite strategically in that way. But I think I've just it's just happened, luckily, a bit naturally for me, where I've just it's been people I work with and going along to a few events where I've sort of then met people that I've sort of gelled with. So it's it's um yeah, it, it's so important I think. Um, and you know, it's certainly something you know to be a a partner. LCPR, I guess any firm would be, you know, you are basically a, a senior person in business. You 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 can't just know three people. You need to know as many people as you can. You need to be willing to go out there, put yourself out outside your comfort zone, um, try new things, and and but all the time thinking, you know, how how is this going to help me bring a really exciting piece of work in for the team that I've got working below me? So that's kind of how we we think about it. You know, it's building up different opportunities, different types of um, areas of actuarial work where people joining the business will be able to grow into over the next 10, 20, 30 years, whatever it is. Yeah. Which of those steps was the most challenging for you? Um, Good question. I think... It was, it wasn't necessarily a step, but it, it was, I can think back to a few moments where I thought, oh, wow, I really pushed myself outside my comfort zone. And that, that, that kind of helped me almost demonstrate before it would have naturally happened that I am capable of doing these sorts of partnership roles. So I think back to the first sort of tender I was involved with, that was a bit of a pivotal moment for me because I was quite junior at the time, but I got thrown in the deep end a little bit, but you know, I was fine and it worked out okay and we won the client and that really helped me grow my confidence, I think, to say yes to the next opportunity. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I think that even just going to things like inter like uh, LCP conferences that we throw to all our clients and, and contacts, even just getting an opportunity to go along to one of those and just walk up to people and talk to them, um, having never met them before, but just knowing that I could do that because I'm an LCP person I'm hosting, um, you know, a couple of rounds of that and you feel more confident going in, walking into a room where you don't know anyone. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of I got given a lot of opportunities I think to sort of test out those skills in a fairly safe space before I then just sort of I then started thinking well actually I know this person they've moved job and actually I should just keep in touch with them and, and reach out to them and you know that leads often leads to a, a conversation and potentially some work so you know before you know it these sorts of small um, actions you take to try and push yourself out of your comfort zone your comfort zone widens and all of a sudden you're doing these things like you never thought you would do off your own bat but actually it it, it does then put you in that kind of perspective and and um the sort of headspace you need to be to be 
a sort of business winner or a partner. Was there a moment where you sort of decided I would like to be a partner in this business? I, I think I always saw partnership as being something that I would love um, because I saw the people that were running the business and I saw the people that were being promoted to partner when I was a junior and thinking I could see myself being that person. I guess I never, um, again, I, I never thought I'd gotten there before I got there. You know, I think I, I thought I probably got a few years left before I could become partner and then I got invited to, to, um, to, to interview and um, was just so, you know, pleased and, and, and happy and, and, and never, never once regretted going for it. Um, so yeah, I think it's one of those things where, again, probably me being me, I would never have been pushing to say, oh, I think I should be a partner today. But I was really grateful that actually people saw in me what I didn't quite see in myself. And then I've sort of grown um, very quickly into the role, I think, since um, since becoming a partner. And then I'm still now, even as a partner, it's not like that's the end, you know, <laughs> you don't just get it. And then you're like, right, this is great. I can just sit back and do the work. Yeah. Um, I think there's so much, you know, emphasis on, you know, then you, you're kind of put, given the responsibility to what 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 do you want to do? What are your opportunities and, and who do you want to talk to and kind of get mentoring from? So, you know, a lot of the, the more senior partners I kind of, you know, check in with, get advice from. And, um, you know, even as a partner, I feel like my role has changed year on year for the last seven years where I've sort of, again, sort of built up schematry appointments from quite small schemes to now a, a sort of a billion pound plus scheme. And I've, um, you know, gone from, sort of being a second reviewer on corporate accounting clients and then signing out the, the advice myself, which is often a big responsibility. Um, and so you just sort of, and then, and then, you know, things like the podcast I did last year, that was way out of my comfort zone. Um, I don't know how you do this every week. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing, you know, just saying yes to stuff and, and just thinking, okay, yeah, I didn't see myself doing it. Um, but why not let me give it give it a go I just always feel very supported I think where I am that people will always say oh you will be good to, don't worry about it. you will just give it a go then what can go wrong type thing so um and it always works out fingers crossed so um yeah it's just I, I've I'm very grateful to be you know working with a load of people who who really do support each other and they're looking out for each other even at that kind of top tier level you know we're all kind of encouraging each other to do the best we can you're talking about everything you're almost making it sound simple, you know. You've, you've, you've. <laughs> everything's kind of happened in in a great way for you. But what, what's what's been the the hardest time? What's been you know one of the, whether it's a, the hardest role you've had or or where's it been like? Oh, I, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Good question. I think the hardest time looking back. I mean, there's always a, hard times where work and life don't quite balance out, and you you know you you everyone doesn't get it right all the time so um I think there's been times where I felt very like the the work balance has tipped not in not in my favor and I've had to kind of work more than I possibly would have wanted to um but I think that you just need to be self-aware of those times and, and know what it what what needs to happen in order to make sure you you've got a a, a sort of a a valve next time if you see it getting that bad and you you've asked for help sooner um I'm not I'm someone who ask for help quite quickly <laughs> or at least I, I you know I, I use my you know team leader or you know, at the time when I was a, a staff member or I use my kind of peers to, to help out and ask advice from rather than just stewing on things or, or sticking to things so I it's I find those hard even though I work very hard and I'm very busy still I do feel like it is on my own terms a little bit more than possibly it was you know before lockdown when everything was always a bit more nuts um so you know, I, I 
there are always hard times. I think probably looking back over the whole time of an LCP, the hardest time was that time that I didn't qualify, you know, um, when whenever when a lot of my peers did. And I said right up front, people should never compare themselves to each other when they're taking the exams. But obviously I'm saying that with hindsight of knowing that I did fully well it's did that when I was to, isn't it? It's so hard. Um, but, you know, I think it's how you react in those times is often the thing. I think I used it as a bit of a, a really kind of like, I'm just going to have a push and get through this final exam. And, and I did. And I know that doesn't always happen for people, but um, I think it is how you take those hard times and what you do with them that really kind of influences how you then, you know, succeed in the future. I think I'm, I'm quite an optimistic person. I like to think you know, wake, wake up, I think it's going to be a good day, you know, um, and or I come into a meeting going, this is going to be a great meeting. You know, I'm mm. always trying to think, you know, positive outcomes for everything. Um, and I don't know if it works, but it's certainly I, my, the way I perceive things, even if some of the challenge thrown in my way, I kind of think, how did I deal with that challenge? I dealt with it really well. So it's a great day still, you know, it's sort of, mm. it is kind of that um, relentless optimism, which probably rubs quite a few people up the wrong way. But that's um, <laughs> <laughs> just the way that I manage things. So are you the same do you play that outside of work as well or is that sort of a work oh absolutely mentality? yeah yeah. Okay. yeah my family would say that I am just uh, uh way too cheerful probably sometimes but <laughs> I think it, it's just the way that I am I can't really change it and again it speaks to that point around the individual individuality you need to be able to bring your kind of honest self to work and for me that means that I can be happy and even in sort of fairly professional situations I can still throw it no I can throw a joke in either at work or something and it just again it's sort of people know that it's me being me not me being forced in, in another direction so I think if I felt that like I had to turn up and be serious every day that would be you know I'd hate my job basically because I would that wouldn't be me at all yeah. um obviously there are times where you do have to be serious but you know actually there's, there's a lot of times where you know we're in pensions meetings and so People don't want you know, don't want it to just be kind of very serious talking about pensions for three hour, four hours if it's a trustee meeting. And actually, if you make it a little bit light and fun where you can, the trustees usually appreciate it because actually it's you know it kind of brings it to life a little bit more. And so that's kind of how I I you know adapt my style as it were. Yeah. In that sort of scenario. Cool. Okay. And um, let's let's talk about your 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 podcast. So I. I believe you, you yeah. took responsibility for hosting series two of Beyond Curious. How, how did that come around? Oh my gosh. So um, I, the classic example of where I thought, no, there's no way I could do this. And, um, you know, someone, it was Gordon actually, um, who I co-hosted the podcast with said, no, but you'll, you'll be fine at this. Let's just give it a go. And I think um, myself and Gordon have just really, really relished it and found it really, really, we were quite sad when we, we recorded the last episode because we, we recorded seven episodes um, across a few months um, and they all got released sort of back end of last year and each episode was interviewing a, a CEO so a sort of a or, or a business founder you know someone who's you know running a business and sort of at that really top tier mm. of um, of management and really just getting it, almost like what you're doing here James with the with the actuarial people podcast which is just getting to grips with like how did they get there <laughs> because what we found is the route is not the same for everybody yeah. and people are coming at it from a completely different perspective depending on the business and depending on how you know did they found the business or have they just come into caretake it um and you know and it varies a lot by sector as well so you know if you're working in a charity versus if you're working in a, a profit making company versus a listed company and you know it's um it was just so fascinating because whilst um 
and again these were people we didn't really know very well me and Gordon so we, we hadn't really had any conversations with them beforehand we just sort of threw it into a conversation see what had a bit of structure to it but see see where it went and it's just brilliant because you just get to you know go off on tangents and explore different ideas um hear advice from people that you wouldn't normally get the time to talk to obviously we were very grateful for these people to give us uh, an hour of their time to, to to have this conversation but you know some things were were very consistent in a way in threads you know quite often the the topic of you know when you ask people how they got to where they were what they were you know things like networking saying yes to things you know it's all very similar to what you, perhaps people are hearing on this podcast too where people have kind of got to their roles by doing those sorts of things so yeah. it's it's really interesting to me actually to 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 see those those similarities um and you know i i, I try to get as much advice as possible as an advice kind of the, the last question each i was like what advice would you give to anybody um listening and and again it was just such a range of a range of of advice you'll listen to the podcast if you'd like to hear more um <laughs> <laughs> but it was um yeah i i really enjoyed it and like i say i before I did the podcast, I hated the sound of my own voice. I, I still sort of do, as everyone does. But I think it, any, with anything, practice makes perfect. You know, if you force yourself to listen to your own voice for seven episodes and you're kind of listening back to the recordings and sending it off and then listening to the edit, it does just you get used to it. So it's just it's just that kind of lesson that I'm constantly learning and learning again, even though I think I know it already, which is if you try something new you do it does become the norm eventually you know it's it's not a case of you try something new and then you're never going to get good at it you just practice and you practice um and you know before you know it you can be a grad at lcp and then you're sort of doing a podcast with ceos of octopus group and um you know a nest and things like that and yeah. you know i just you can't connect the dots in my mind as to how i got from a to b but obviously you say, as you, you rightly said, it feels like it's been a very easy journey for me. And obviously there's been blips on the way, but I do feel like I've been, you know, I found my place very early on in my career. And I'm very lucky to have done that where I found somewhere where I've had the right input along the way. I've had the right people mentoring me and kind of nudging me in the right direction. And I continue to do so. So it's sort of, you know, I've, I've just never felt like I've been in the wrong place when I've been at LCP. I've just always enjoyed the role, enjoyed the, the opportunities. Um, and yeah, who knows what's next, really? <laughs> of a TV show, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> what What's the easiest way for people if they haven't listened uh, to to find your podcast? I've I can see that you've posted about it on LinkedIn, but is there somewhere they can go to? I posted about it a lot on LinkedIn, as I'm sure I will continue to do so. <laughs> um, but it is on. It's called Beyond Curious with LCP. Um, season one was all about AI. I had unfortunately nothing to do with that because I know nothing about AI really but my season was season two which was the interviewing um, CEOs and it's on Spotify it's on you know all your usual podcast places um, and it's on our website as well if you wanted to link up on there it's got a bit more detail brilliant I'll, I'll dig out a link and put it in the show notes as well so people can thank you can find that and um, then the other thing I wanted to briefly ask about is you are a trustee at the UK Antarctic Heritage Trust how did that come around oh thank you for asking about that I we could have a whole other hour talking <laughs> about Antarctica it's an absolute passion of mine um, so this came about in 2020 which was a, obviously an auspicious year but I um, managed to book myself a trip 
I don't know what took what took it upon myself to do it. Um, it must have been like December 2019 or something. I was going to ask if you had picked it in advance. Or... No, it was quite a last minute a last minute decision, and um, I booked it in. It was it was to go to Antarctica for for a couple of weeks, and it, you co- I came back on March the 16th, right. um, which was I think the day before Boris locked everyone down, and so um, it was a really weird time. I, I think they they went ahead with the the trip, which I was really grateful for because at the time I left. Uh, at the end of February, everyone there was a couple of hundred cases in the UK, and it wasn't like you know, too didn't seem too big a deal. Um, and came back, and obviously the whole world had changed. It was so bizarre, and because we were down on a cruise ship in Antarctica, we had been quite detached from it all. Mm. So um, I really had the most amazing two weeks of just seeing the most beautiful nature in the world, seeing penguins, which is my main reason for going. I absolutely love penguins, and. Um, and just having the best experience and came back and it was an absolute shift into lockdown and never going back to the office for any over a year after that. Um, and so I think part of what led me to this trustee role was I just, Antarctica represented to me the last freedom I had before before lockdown. And I, you know, I'd, I'd found so much, you know, amazing about it, but, but also had gotten really interested in the history and the explorers um, that had been down there. And so I think during lockdown, where obviously we all had quite a lot of time, I spent a lot of time reading and, and like researching the history. And so the charity, UK Antarctic Heritage Trust, I was aware of already because they run the Penguin Post Office down in Antarctica. And that's something that often you might see articles about each year as they do the recruitment process. And we send a, a team down every year to, to run the post office in Antarctica. It's the Britain's most suddenly post office. Right. And they're basically living next, right next to a very loud and smelly colony of penguins. It sounds like my absolute dream, to be honest. <laughs> um, so I'd been aware of it from that. And I think I, I just went to look on their website and saw they were recruiting for trustees um, who had financial background experience, particularly they were after somebody in that, that area. And to me, it just, it just every again, everything just sort of slotted together. It sort of felt like it was a real combination. I mean, if it had come up, say, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have gone for the role. I wouldn't have felt experienced enough but when in 2020 when I was sort of you know fairly established and 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 been to a lot of meetings and whilst I didn't know charities very well I knew trustee meetings very well Mm -hmm. at that point I know how they run I know how what works well in terms of governance and so that was my pitch to them really I was sort of saying look I've never worked in the charity sector before or uh, volunteered in the charity sector before I absolutely love Antarctica and I really want to learn more about it I have experience with trustee boards, not as a trustee, but with trustee boards. And so um, it was a real kind of amazing sort of connect where I felt like all the stuff I learned in work, I could equally apply in a completely different scenario. But it was something that, you know, again, I'm, you know, I'm obviously passionate about pensions, but it's just a completely different uh, area and something that I had a real interest in. Um, And so... I went through, I've had quite a strict interview process and, 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 and went through that. And then I became a trustee in April, 2021. So I've been doing that for nearly three years now, sort of most way through my first term. And oh, it's been fantastic. I mean, it's, it, you know, again, it's, it's, it's sort of flipped for me in terms of you're in those meetings, not as an advisor, you're in the meetings as a trustee. And so your role is less to be presenting and talking all the time, but it's more to listen and to observe and to ask questions. And, and, you know, again, I really relish doing that. So 
Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's brilliant. I absolutely love it. The charity is amazing. They, they punch way above their weight, you know, in terms of the team, are, um, it's a fairly small team, but they just work so hard to really deliver a, like a very safe and, um, interesting operation down in Antarctica where they're conserving the buildings and they're counting the penguins to make sure, you know, we've, we've got the longest ever penguin survey running in that, in Port Lockroy where they're, they're based. Um, so there's some real like concrete scientific information they're producing each year to help measure the impacts of climate change um on the colony and on the on the area um and preserving all this history for future generations because if we just left it antarctica you know it's quite a hard environment to survive in these buildings would just rot away or they would you know within a, within 10 years they would be gone so you know it's 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 very important i think to to you know have that kind of understanding of of where did where did our sort of uh, where did our sort of first forays into Antarctica come from? What's our history? How you know? How do we learn from from the past? Yeah. Um. But but also bring a bit of Antarctica back to everyone. You know, it's it's a very amazing place, but it is so hard to get to. It's it's a place that most people may never get to. So part of our role, we see it as being trying to, you know, bring as much of Antarctica to the UK public as possible. Um. Uh, in in various ways so yeah there's lots of really exciting things going on at charity at the moment and it's um, amazing to be involved with it and yeah I've been really really grateful to to be a part of it (laughs) are you you due to go back have you booked another trip oh not not due but I would love to go back at some point I um yeah because I didn't get to go to Port Lockrow on my first trip and so it would be amazing if I could get back down there um but yeah I think it's a I have a dog now so it's um a bit harder to, to just up and leave her for a few weeks but they will, there will be definitely a time where I go down there. I just have to pick my moment, I think. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. Well, um, so I, I tend to ask the same sort of two or three questions towards the end. So what advice would you give to someone who's just starting their career in pensions today? Great question. I would, I think my advice would be, don't, <laughs> it's very hard to say this to an actuary as well, <laughs> don't worry too much about the future. You know, I think there's a lot of talk in the industry at the moment about, where db pensions are going and is there going to be jobs in db pensions in 10 years time and you know a lot of people you know my year and even people who've got more experience than me we've been having that conversation for the last 30 years and it's not gone away yet but i think there is that that growing feeling that oh i'm not gonna i'm gonna start a job that then's gonna i'm gonna end up having to restart again in 10 years time on a completely different role and and so I, my advice would be basically don't necessarily worry about that pensions is so interesting and it's there's so much to do and um you get such a variety of sets of skills um from doing this work that you shouldn't think about it as oh i'm not going to have a job in pensions in 10 years time you should think well in 10 years time i'll you know i'll have a great knowledge of the pensions industry i'll have all these different skills from a consulting perspective um from a finance perspective from you know from a company perspective and there'll be there'll be so and and you know consultancies like LCP we're not just going to sit back and let pensions dwindle you know there will be other ways we can apply those skills in different areas and um, LCP you might be aware you know we're doing lots in energy we're doing lots in health even football and it's using those sort of analytical skills that actuaries have so um, it's that kind of I, I wouldn't people to want people to put put themselves off going into pensions just because they think oh it won't be there in 10 years time I think it's more about you know what are you actually going to get out of being in that role and there is so much and so many amazing people to work with in pensions that it would you know I'd still make that decision today if I was a grad. Well my next question should be what are your views on the future of pensions but you've just covered that so I won't ask that instead I'll <laughs> I'll come up with something just for you. What do you prefer pensions or penguins? 
Oh, that is a, that is you like it's like asking to choose between you know water and air. <laughs> I um yeah I think for the good of the world penguins because if we save the penguins then we save the world is my my view. Um, but you know I it's, it's a very hard question for me. To answer, <laughs> obviously pensions is my bread and butter, but penguins is my um you know you can't see the other side of this room that's covered in penguin memorabilia. <laughs> <laughs> And my final question is, what are you looking forward to in the next 12 months that can be work-related, personal, or one of each? Oh, so I think work-related, I would say, I'm just so excited about saying yes to stuff. I think I said this earlier, but, you know, um, it's almost nice to know that I'm going to have a bit of time and I've still got lots of, you know, amazing clients to work with. But similarly, it would be great to to find some new ones and to, to kind of build up my portfolio a bit more. So, um, so that's what I'm really looking forward to is kind of getting out there and pushing myself outside my comfort zone even more, I guess, this year. Um, and then I guess from a from a life perspective, because it's important to have a balance. Um, I've got a week booked in Scotland to go up with my dog in at Easter, and I'm really looking forward to that. It's like my happy place. So um, yeah, that'll be a a long drive from Winchester, but it's definitely worth it once you get up there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, well, thank you so much. Um, I'm, I'm sure there'll be people listening to this that would love to sort of do a bit of networking, get in touch with you. Um, are you happy for people to reach out, ask questions, and if so, what's the best way for them to do so? I mean, absolutely. Is there anyone said no to this question yet, James? No, I I almost stopped asking it. I realised last week I didn't, but um, it's a habit. It's good to get the answer, though. It's good to make it clear. Um, No, I'm very, very happy for people to reach out. You know, no pressure at all. Um, uh, LinkedIn is the best way to to do it. Um, And obviously, I will check you're not a cyber criminal because I've done my cyber training. But but I'm very happy to answer questions or to offer advice, you know, anything like that. Very, very easy. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure to, to get to know you and uh, learn more about, about your journey. So um, really appreciate it. And I wish you all the best. Thank you, James. Really, really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Actuarial People. Please don't forget to subscribe and consider leaving a review. If you have any questions or feedback or any suggestions for future guests, please contact me on info at actuarialpeople.com. This podcast is sponsored by my recruitment company, Turner Perkins, and you can contact me there at james.turner at turnerperkins.com. Hope to see you again.